Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. My name is Liz Griffin, and I'm one of your pastors here, and it is an absolute privilege that I get to do this every Sunday, be with you guys, worship with you. I, uh, it's been a little while since I've been up here, but it's good to be back. Um, I hope you had a great Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas? Yes, me too. We uh, actually just stayed in town. JD and the kids and I stayed here, and it was really chill. We did the New Year's Eve services, which were the sweetest thing. We had a service in the south and then a service up in the north. It was a perfect way to kick off Christmas, and then... We were here the rest of the time except for one small trip south to Houston for the Texas Bowl, Texan Bowl. I don't know what it's called, but all I can say is Baylor 1, Sikkim Bears, Hook'em Horns 2, but also Sikkim Bears. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, we, kicked, we finished strong this year. Um, but so other than that quick trip to Houston, we uh, have been here and now, much to my amazement, it's almost January. I feel like I was just buying school supplies, and yet somehow we are about to enter 2019, and that went really fast. But you know what? I'm going to pause real quick because my parents are here this morning. So I'm just going to give a little honor honors due. If you want to have the best year ever, meet my parents. It's, they're the best people. I can't say it. So anyway, um, but it is almost New Year's, and... I, for one, okay, anyone get into the Enneagram this past year? Yes? I feel like the Enneagrams may be my favorite trend of 2018, and I know that it's not really a trend, it's not anything new, but it kind of hit the mainstream this past year, and so I'm a seven. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go Google it, and then you're going to go down a rabbit hole, and you'll come out in a few months. But... I'm a seven, which means I love new things, ideas, possibilities. I mean, that is my sweet spot. I mean, my poor husband has to hear all of my ideas. It used to be my parents. I used to have to listen to all my crazy ideas, and now it's my husband. And uh, I love, love, love thinking about all that could happen. And, okay, in the next 365 days, what could we do? And, you know, maybe we could go on this trip and we could do these things. I love ideas and new things. I'm not the best at finishing some of my ideas, most of my ideas, um, but I have them. I have them, a lot of them. And I was actually thinking into this new year, uh, this past week, and just praying, and, and actually over the past few weeks, as I was praying and thinking about all that I wanted to do and that I felt God was wanting to do in 2019, this phrase kept coming up over and over again, the phrase, taking ground taking ground, taking ground, over and over again. And I just sensed that God was saying that that is a word for us as a church and for us individually for this coming year, that 2019 is going to be a year that we take ground here in our city, in the kingdom, in the nations, in our individual lives, which of course gets me excited because I love the idea of new ground. And it's really, really fun to think about all the things that that could mean until you start to actually try to do it and it gets a little harder when the rubber meets the road, right? It gets a little more challenging. There's some work that has to be done to make that happen. So I'm going to take a giant leap of faith and say that most of us have probably thought somewhat, this time next year, where do you want to be? 
And for a lot of us, when we think, all right, fast forward 365 days from now, what is my life going to look like? There are some obstacles in your way to getting there, right? A lot of times we think about, okay, yes, this is where God's calling me. This is what I want to see happen. But have you ever been there where you're like, awesome, I'm here, that's there, and there's some topography between where I am and where I'm going. And that could be, you know, for some of you, it may be that there's some discouragement in your life, some disappointment, some deep places of pain that you have to really deal with to get to the places that God's taking you. Maybe it's some financial hardship. Finances have to get in order for you to move forward. Relationship issues, issues at school. Maybe there's a diagnosis that you're having to overcome to get where God's taking you. You know, we've all got our mountains. And so what I want to talk about today is in this idea of taking ground, for us to take ground, how do we do that when there are obstacles in our path? How do we actually take ground as a people when there are mountains? Like for me, it feels like a mountain range sometimes between where I am and where I'm going. So the scripture we're going to kind of camp in this morning is Proverbs 16.9. It says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, to be honest, I have interpreted the scripture sort of two ways historically. First is, I've sometimes thought, great, I don't have to do anything. God's going to just do his thing at the end. So I'm off the hook of planning, of being prepared, of being a good steward. And if you've read scripture, you know that that's actually pretty much not what God's talking about because scripture is full of God saying to be a good steward, to be prepared, to be responsible, to be faithful, right? And another way that sometimes I've read it is just, man, that seems so harsh. Like, have you ever worked really hard and it just seems like God's like, eh, let's do this instead. And kind of almost distant and dismisses all of the preparation and hard work that you've put into something. And so traditionally, I've kind of read it those two ways, which neither one scripturally works because that's not God's character. And it's not what he says about making plans. And 2018, though, for me has been a year of God really reframing how I interpret and see the scripture. A lot of you um, are familiar with what has gone on with me in the past year, and some of you have absolutely no idea what I'm about to say, but 2018 was a big year for our family. Uh, February, one February morning, Monday morning, February 26th, I went to the gym, I came home, I talked to JD for a little bit, and then he left and went to work, and I went into our room and went into the closet to get ready and change for the day to go do work. And as I was in the closet, I was holding, you know, the outfit I was going to pick up, and it was the strangest thing. I don't even really know how to explain this sensation, but I was holding my clothes, and I was looking at my hands thinking, huh, I feel like I'm trying to put my pants on, but they, my hands aren't doing anything. It was like they were frozen in the air. And then all of a sudden, I just collapsed to the ground. And when I collapsed, I just cried out as a reaction, and this weird muffled noise came out, and I knew immediately that I was having a stroke. Um, I was fully paralyzed on my right side, and by the grace of God, I normally charge my phone in the kitchen, and that day I was charging it in the bathroom, um, which I never do, but God's in the details. So I was charging it in the bathroom, and I 
you know, was trying to figure out how am I going to get to my phone because I cannot move anything on my right side. So I began to just drag myself with my, pushing myself with my left leg and pulling myself with my left arm, finally get to the, uh, to the counter and was able to reach up and swipe it off. Honestly, it was a God thing. I have no idea how <laughs> how I did it. Um, but I was able to call 911, and the sweet operator, I wish I could find her and thank her. She was so sweet. She could not tell what I was saying, because when you're having a stroke, your mouth, your words are weird. And so finally, she figured out the address, and she um, dispatched the ambulance, and then I um, called JD, and he couldn't tell what I was saying either, but he turned the car around and, and came home. And fast forward, the ambulance takes us to the emergency room, and we're in there. And now, they're trying to figure out, I mean, I'm a healthy 36-year-old. Like, they're thinking, surely she's not having a stroke. But I'm a little feisty and stubborn at times. And so J.D. could hear me from down the hall. I'm having a stroke. Get a scan. I'm having a stroke. And so J.D. comes in. He's like, babe, let them do their job. They're like, they're on this, you know. So they did the scan. And sure enough, they came back and said, you're right, you're having a stroke. There's a blood clot in this back portion of your, of your brain. Um, and normally they give you this medicine that is a, a clot buster. It dissolves the clot and um, helps in the stroke. But they said we can't give you that medicine because not only do you have a blood clot that's causing your stroke, but you actually also have a brain aneurysm. And if we give you the medicine, it could cause this aneurysm to bleed. But not only that, you know, but wait, there's more. So you're having a stroke, you have a brain aneurysm, and you have a tumor on your thyroid. So the plan was, it was, so, it was too dangerous to go in and try to get the clot out. Uh, they said, we are going to have you just lay still for 48 hours and um, essentially pray that the clot dissolves. So for 48 hours, I was in the ICU. And, um, you know, Janie's wrestling through things like, is my wife, you know, is she going to live? If she does live, what is her capacity and ability going to be? There's so many unknowns at that point. And over those course of days in the ICU, they did further tests to see what in the world is going on. And um, they discovered that I actually had a hole in my heart, which is what caused the stroke. It was a hole just a little bit smaller than a quarter. And uh, it was a birth defect that I never knew about. And so the blood clot went through the hole and then up into my brain, causing the stroke. So they discovered that, which was actually good news because you can fix that. And they said, and also, we said you had a brain aneurysm, but you actually have two. We found two. You have one behind each eye. So I went from Monday morning being a perfectly healthy 36-year-old mother of four to at the end of the week, couldn't walk trouble speaking, two brain aneurysms, a tumor on your thyroid, and a hole in the heart. You know, it was, it was a big week for the Griffin family. And I just got to say, J.D. is a trooper. He deserves, like, every award known to man. He held it together because not only that, after my week in ICU, I was in a rehab hospital for several weeks after that, and they had to teach me. I slowly started getting movement back in my right side. And, you know, they didn't know if I'd ever walk again, if I would ever be able to feed myself again with my right side. I mean, all, so many things unknown. And I went to a rehab hospital where they taught me to stand up and taught me to sit down and taught me how to brush my teeth. It was all things that I had, had forgotten. And then I come home and um, you guys were so amazing to us in this process. I mean, what a support you were. I do not know how we would have gotten through it without you. Such a gift. And 
Um, in April, I had a heart surgery to close the hole in my heart. In May, I had a brain surgery to put a stent in front of one of the aneurysms. In September, I had another brain surgery to put a stent in front of the other brain aneurysm. And then a few weeks ago, I had imaging done to see how any of this worked. Like, did it work? And so I am happy to report the hole in my heart has healthily closed. The brain aneurysms are gone. The tumor on my thyroid is benign. And now we're ready to go into 2019. God has been so good, and he has been so faithful. And you know what, though? I still do have some deficits. I um, have issues with memory recall. You know, I can't remember people's names, or I would go to the gas um, pump a few weeks ago and got out to pump gas, and I just stared at the machine and was like, I know that I should know how to pump gas, but I can't remember it. It's, it's like there's information in my brain that sometimes is just not going to make it to the forefront. And so there are still things that working through. There have been some serious mountains that we have crossed and that we are still somewhat crossing. And all of the plans that I had started out in 2018 are like massively changed, right? Like those things were not my plans. But can I tell you what remained was the purposes of God? Because who knows that plans and purposes are not the same thing. Plans change. They adjust. We do our best to prepare, but there are circumstances outside of our control, things that we do, things that are done to us, things that just happen. But God's purposes will prevail. And I think I begin to realize maybe that's more what that verse in Proverbs is talking about, that it's not talking about um, all the plans and the things that I can make happen. It's about realizing that it's not in my ability to craft some plan to make the promises of God happen. It's my ability to say, I'm going to lean into Jesus, and he's going to push it through the finish line, right? We plan, we do our part, but Jesus is the one that actually establishes it, which is what that verse in Proverbs says, that it's not about what we do, but it's about what God can do through us, Amen. So I don't know what you're looking at. As I'm talking, you know, I'm sure there's some things going into your mind. When I say, hey, what ground are you wanting to take? When I share that word that I feel like God had put on my heart, that this is a year we take ground, I know in this room there's a wide variety of things that are coming to your mind that you're thinking of. Some of you, it is in, a, in your professional life. There's things that you've really wanted to step out and do and see happen. And for others, maybe it's some work in your marriage that needs to happen or some financial things, or, or maybe just you've been dealing with depression and you really want to see ground taken in that area. And I don't know what it is that you are facing as you're trying to get those places, but, you know, when, when we talk about plans and thinking about what ground are you wanting to take, so often we make small plans because we do it in the context of what we are going to be able to do, right? Like we plan based on what we think we can make happen. But God is inviting us into a deeper place of faith to say, hey, I'm not going to plan based on my ability. I'm going to plan based on God's ability, on God's faithfulness. And, you know, as I was thinking about making plans and all the different things, for me personally that's coming up this year, um, three passages of Scripture came to mind about mountains. So Scripture is full from front to back of imagery of mountains. And these three specific passages really came to the forefront of my mind as I was saying, God, I feel so small compared to what's in front of me and what's ahead. And the first scripture that came to mind is Micah 1.4. 
The mountains, it talks about the mountains melting beneath him, that God shows up in such a powerful way that the mountains literally just melt and dissolve. And, you know, sometimes he works that way. Sometimes he just instantaneously heals it. That place of pain, instantaneously healed. That um, diagnosis, that disease, instantaneously removed. Sometimes he does. He shows up, and the problem, the mountain, goes away. The other verse that came to mind was Matthew 17, 20, where it talks about the faith that can move mountains, that when we speak to something, that it can move. And you know what? I believe that 100%, that God can melt our mountains. He can move our mountains. You know, like maybe you have a boss that is just like a glass ceiling for you, and you're just like, God, would you move him to the other department? Right? The mountain doesn't dissolve. It just becomes someone else's mountain and gets out of your way. Right? Two ways. And I think if we're honest, when most of us look at obstacles in our path, that's how we expect God to do. We're waiting. We're like, God, make it disappear or make it move. And we're just like, please, 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 please. And you know what? He will. And he does sometimes. But there's a third option that came to mind as I was praying about just some of the places that I'm feeling that I need help to cross the obstacles in front of me. And let me read you this passage. It's Psalm 1833. It says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me secure on the heights. And if I'm honest with you, I think that this is the option that a lot of times God is asking us to walk. It's not him dissolving the mountain, him moving the mountains, but sometimes it's about him equipping us to cross the mountains, him establishing us. It says, and not just that, it, that he enables us to go to the heights, but it says insecurely that he's giving us what we need to walk with him securely through those obstacles. And I know that for a lot of you looking at me, this is going to come as a surprise, but I'm actually not very outdoorsy. So I have personally not so much hiked mountains, um, really ever. Some of you have. I have not. However, I played a lot of Oregon Trail as a child. And I have learned that scary things happen in the mountains, guys. Your axles break. You get grounded by snowfall. Dysentery wipes out the camp. You ford some river and lose some oxen. I mean, mountains are rough, okay? So I do know that much. There are some scary things that happen in the mountains. And in my life, I have found that mountains are beautiful and they're terrifying. That when we dream and we imagine what God can do and where he could take us, it is so inspiring and absolutely frightening all at once, right? And, you know, sometimes I think that we don't move our mountains, if we're honest, um, for different reasons. Sometimes I think that we stay stuck because we're just afraid of what's on the other side, right? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And you don't know what's on the other side, so you'll just make do in the shadow of the mountain, which is never where you're called to live, right? That's not your portion and that's not your place. But we're comfortable there. We've been there for a while. And the idea of moving past it can be really frightening. Another reason, if I'm honest, that I don't move mountains is sometimes mountains make really great excuses. 
oh, I can't do that because I had a stroke, <laughs> you know. And, of course, there's some things I can't do, but some things I can, right? Like, I can do the dishes now because I've had a stroke, so I can't use that one. But sometimes, um, sometimes our mountains are really good excuses as to why we can't obey. And, you know, sometimes disobedience feels like the responsible thing to do. I don't know if you've ever realized that. But sometimes it feels like, oh, no, no, I'm being responsible here. Like, I'm not obeying God because the responsible thing to do is just to sit at the foot of this mountain. But really what God's saying is, hey, no, 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 I'm equipping you to come up to the heights. I'm asking you to take ground with me this year. And some of us have become dependent on our mountains. I mean, who are we if we're not the girl without the eating disorder? And who are we if we're not the victim of that abuse or the, or the person whose father was always disappointed in them. Who am I if I don't have the emotional drama that always makes people lean into me and meets that emotional need? Like, who am I without those things? And those are some very real scary things that we have to deal with as we cross mountains and as we take ground. But, you know, what I have found is sometimes the biggest challenge is this hardwired um, avoidance we have of the rhythm of going up and down. We live in a culture where up is good, down is bad, forward is successful, backwards is failure. And so we hate the sensation of up and down, forward and back. And you know what? If you cross a mountain, it's a lot of up and down to take ground. Or maybe it's a canyon. Gosh, you know, for some people, maybe it's not that something just appeared in front of you. It's that everything was normal and then the bottom just dropped out. And now you're having to crawl down to go across so you can go back up. And we have this aversion because so often we feel like it's failure and we live discouraged because why do we not always keep going up, you know? Like why does the social media audience get smaller and isn't growing like theirs and why is my business not doing this and not doing that and why is my ministry grow, not growing and theirs is growing and all these different things because we are so hardwired that anything that isn't what we sense to be up is a failure and is wrong. And so, so often we just freeze. And you know what? Can I tell you that if you're not ever going down, you're probably not moving at all. If you don't ever go down, you're probably just standing still. Because life is a rhythm of up and down, up and down, up and down. To take ground, to cross the mountains, you have to go up and you have to go down. And... We so avoid that. We so see it as a failure. And, and I know for me that um, on the outside, it looks like I lost so much this year. And I did. There are a lot of things that I can't do anymore, and that's hard. But the truth is that sometimes down is just going deep. Sometimes when you feel like, oh, I'm going down, God's just taking you deeper. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are some things that grow in the heights and there are some things that grow in the depths. There are some things that need bright light and there are some things that need dim light to grow and to develop. And it's the same in the natural world and it's the same in the spiritual world. Sometimes God takes us to the depths, but do you know what's down there? Every good pirate knows this. You bury treasure, right? There's treasure in the depths. Gold is made in the depths of the earth. Diamonds, they're found in the depths of the earth. It's fun to be on the mountaintops, but the treasure is oftentimes in the valleys. And God needs us to go up and down, up and down with him because we will find him 
And can I promise you, your life will be so much richer for the treasure that you find in the valley places. And if you live your life avoidant of anything that you feel like, oh, it just feels like a failure. If I follow God here, it looks like I'm losing ground, like I'm losing traction, like I'm not being successful. If God is asking you to go somewhere with him, it's going to be good. He will be faithful. You will find treasure. You will find treasure there. So we are going to be people, I'm just going to say it over us, we are going to be a people who will go where he asks us to go, whether it feels like it's up, whether it feels like it's down, right, left, front, back, okay? Because the direction of the kingdom is only one way. Where are you going in 2019? Where is God taking you? There's only one way in the kingdom. Glory to glory. The direction of the kingdom is glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's not about up, down, forward, back, right, left. It's about glory to glory. It's about going to deeper places with Jesus this year. It's about him doing work in the shadows, in the high places of your life. And in the low places of your life, in the places that feel easy, and in the things that you want to avoid because they're tender and they're painful, but he's taking you to glory. It's where you're going. That's the direction of the kingdom, is glory to glory. And you know what? Um, The fact of the matter is, I mentioned earlier that I had two brain aneurysms. And so it seems like I lost so much this year. That the stroke, you know, people are like, oh, that's so hard. And you know what? Yes, it was hard, but it saved me. Sometimes the things we think are killing us are the things that save us because brain aneurysms are fatal over 50% of the time. I had two. So statistics were not on my side in that one. And if I hadn't had a stroke, they would never have done the imaging that showed that I had brain aneurysms. So sometimes your hardship is a gift because it will heal you of things you don't even know are broken so that you can be restored and live in the way that God has called you to live. Those are the facts. And you know, the facts are that I can't remember things. The facts are that my brain doesn't recall. The facts are if you ask me right now, Liz, what's your main passage of this sermon you're preaching? I don't know. It's in Proverbs somewhere but I'd have to look it up because factually I can't really talk and recall information at the same time, Um, which is hard when you're a pastor. It's sort of a big part of the job to talk and think simultaneously, but it's hard for me and I can't. The facts are if you put me in an MRI machine, you will see black spots in the communication center of my brain. Those are the facts. The facts are that I can't do this, but you know what? Facts and truth are not the same thing. I don't know what facts you have around you, facts of your financial things, facts of the argument you just had with your spouse last week, facts of who knows what. I don't know what the facts are, but the truth is that we have a God who can do the impossible. The truth is that with God, all things are possible. So your facts really don't matter anymore. The truth is in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to talk. So I'm good. Okay? I'm at least ahead of the curve on that. Okay? So I want you to remember that. As you take ground this year, your facts are not your truth. 
Your truth is you have a God who will be faithful to you. Your truth is that God is good, that he is moving you from glory to glory, that success and failure is not measured by up and down, right, left, front, and back. It's are you moving with him from glory to glory? Are you following him? Are you leaning in? Because you know what you will realize when you take ground is that oftentimes your your setback is actually a setup. Your greatest setback might just be the biggest setup of your life because it is preparing a platform for God to do the impossible. And I think somebody needed to hear that today, that your setback is your setup. 2019 is the year of us taking.